Welcome to the Short Rod Show. This is our uh, ice fishing podcast. You got Ben here. And you got Brett. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, we're on episode three now. Yeah. Time is flying by. I know. It's been fun. We're having all kinds of fun. Hope you guys are, too, listening in at home and in the car, joining with us. And just, we love to talk ice fishing. Yep. That's what we're here for. So, Brett, what are we talking about today? Yeah, I'm sure you saw on the uh, on the headline. Um, today, we're going to be talking about ice fishing. Um, no flasher, no problem. Um, how to get by. You know, a lot of you guys starting out, um, the flasher's kind of a high investment. I mean, I don't think yep. you can get a new one for less than 200 bucks, probably yep. more like 250 You can't get a used one less than yeah, 200 Yeah, you can't really bucks. get a used one. But, yep. uh, yeah, so how do you go about it without fishing with, or fishing without a flasher? Um, I've done it for a lot of years. I've only just recently, within the last two to three years, had a flasher of my own, and that's just a Hummingbird 698 that I got off my fishing boat. Um, that yep. had happened to have a flasher mode on it when we bought it, and I was like, well, heck yeah, I'll buy the transducer and awesome. use it, but... Uh, yeah, I know there's a lot of guys out there that don't run flashers, or if you're just getting into ice fishing. Um, yep. How do I do it? You can Also, too, uh, have you ever left your flasher at home? No, I haven't. Have you? I've forgotten mine once or twice. <laughs> so we'll cover that, too, today on today's episode of the Short Rod Show. So that's all coming up next. Hey there, guys. If you've been over to our website at shortrodshow.com and like what you see, you should get in touch with our partners over at Evergrow Marketing. They're a digital marketing agency that specializes in landscape and lawn care businesses, but they also work with guys like us. They can help your business show up on Google and help expand your digital footprint. To learn more about the Evergrow team and how they can help you get more customers, visit them at evergrowmarketing.com. Tell them Ben and Brett sent you from the Short Rod Show podcast to get an additional 10% off your first bill. Ben and I really want to thank our fans for helping the Short Rod Show really take off. You can find us all over the internet at shortrodshow.com. Please sign up for our email list so you can stay up to date with every podcast. Also, you can find us on Facebook, Short Rod Show. And anytime you get a chance, hit that star number five. All right, welcome back to the Short Rod Show. Today we're talking no flash or no problem here. Um, Brett is uh, the resident no flasher expert. I guess I've been uh, fishing with the flasher now and haven't fished without one for I don't know six or eight years, so it's been a little while. Yeah, you definitely lose the touch after a while. Definitely. So we're talking old school tactics today. Yep. So the first thing that you got to get into, obviously, is finding a spot. So I'm armed. I've got my hand auger. I've got my you know whatever fifteen dollar rod I bought at Fleet Farm. It's got schoolie. a couple of jigs. Um, schoolie jig. Schoolie yeah. rod. Schoolie's ready schoolie to roll. jig on a schoolie rod. Yeah. If you're ultra low budget and you only have $12 to spend. The schoolie is the way to go because yep. it comes with the jigs. Fish it as is. Yep. Absolutely. And line. Yep. So uh, how, how do you find a spot? How yep. do you break down uh, a body of water without having flashers to uh, to help? Yep. So if I'm going out on a body of water that I've never been to, I don't know anything about this, um, is I'm going and I'm looking for... First and foremost, I'm looking for old holes. Um, I'm not looking to go walk up into the group that's already fishing out there. I'm not looking to go into the village, you know, that they call out there. The community um, holes. I don't put on my, you know, Iowa fish finders. You remember that guy saying that? <laughs> yeah. With his binoculars, just go fish next to everybody else. Yep. He's just, um, just scoping everybody out. But what I'm doing is I walk around and I'll look for groups of holes that look like people have fished there for a while. Um, and there's, there's sure signs. I mean, you'll see, you know, half some minnows or, you know, some, some dip. 
um, or some cigarettes or something that people kind of put out. Pick those up if you see them. But um, those are sure signs that, you know, someone's been there for a little while fishing. Yep. Um, and if they've poked, you know, five or ten holes in an area that you'd like to think they at least caught one fish while they were there. Yep. Um, so that's usually my first go-to. Um, and then my next thing after I've identified those spots is, yeah, just start digging a couple of holes maybe right next to some spots. You can definitely tell in certain areas where they've set up a shack or something like that. So I definitely make sure if I'm running a hand auger, you know, you've only got so many holes that you're going to dig with that thing. Yep. I would definitely at least make sure I put a few holes um, where they'd set up shacks, yep. um, that sort of deal. Because um, there was a reason they set up that shack there. Yep. Um, they're not just setting it up there just to set it up. Um, you'd like to think anyways. Yep. Another good tool, uh, if you're ultra low buck, uh, one thing I know now I cannot do without would be a spud bar, yeah. a chisel setup. I mean, that, that goes a long way to reopening old holes. If you are if you truly only have a hand auger and you're out there trying to get by, uh, you can do a lot with just a spud bar. Yep. You're going through, you can, if it's been a day, even... I've opened up five inches of ice with a spud bar before. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of work, but um, it's, it's less work than hand augering yep. in some and, cases. I mean, a spud bar, really, out of every, all the safety equipment you'd ever buy for ice fishing, the spud bar is the only one that's keeping you out of the water. Yes. All the other equipment are for after you've gone in the water to get back out. Yep. Um, and once you get good at using it, you can tell solid ice. Uh, you can tell ice thickness with yep. with how it feels as you're stabbing the ice as you well, go. Well, and you but... can tell how deep it, how thick it is, how safe it is. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you start to figure out an Quality area of... of ice. You know, I can make it, I can walk on two hits or I can walk on three hits. So, I mean, yeah, not to go too deep into spud bars, but. But if you're reopening old community holes, that would be a perfect place to, to, to do it is with a spud bar. Yep. And you're not trying to beat it out with your, with your boot or even worse, you know, trying to, I don't know. Who knows what else. You you can slip and fall easily trying to do that. And I've done that in front of a bunch (laughs) of people. So don't be doing that. Nope. But. So, yeah. so tell me, Brett, when you're looking at, you're talking about breaking down water, if there's no community holes around, okay, yep. what other features of a lake are you going to look at? So say we're talking fresh powder. So just, yep. just know you can't see where people had been before that sort of deal. Um, the next thing I'm looking for would be shoreline features. So you're looking for areas that are either, you could tell where there's a little wetland up in one area, um, especially a lot in the water that we fish here around central Iowa. Um, you're fishing a lot of dammed up ponds. Um, it's a sure bet that along the dam, you're going to have a pretty steep shore break. Okay. Um, or a lot of times, um, along either, either of those shores that are getting closer to the dam. And then as you work up away from the dam, water tends to get shallower. Um, but then there's also an area up there as you get kind of up into the, I don't know, the marshy area as you get into those shallow areas where you, you hit a, a, uh, a transition between that mucky silty ground Mm -hmm. and then the, the firm bottom. Uh, those aren't always that easy to find uh, just by looking at the shoreline, but there's an area up there that's definitely valuable. But, yeah, yep. watching the shoreline, looking for steep breaks, because that's going to be more likely your deeper water in the in the area. Yeah, and use lean on your open water tactics, too, when yep. you guys are, are out there ice fishing on these on these ponds or anywhere on any lake. Um, you know, if, if, if you notice uh, a real rocky transition coming down the side of a hill, yep. that's probably going to transition t- – and stay water. rocks yep. in the water. Or um, those jetties. Um, yep. You know, the DNR likes to put a pile of jetties out in the water. Yep. For There's more rocks fishing there. Yep. And, yeah, those rocks transition right into the water. Yep. So, yeah, fishing right along those. Very I know good. I've had some success out on brushy fishing those jetties like that. 
just fishing jetties in in the rocks and and on the big piles of rocks next yep. to them. Tidbit so for you guys, fishing brushy. How fish far away jetty. are you fishing off those, Brett? Not far, because they're they're usually pretty steep breaks. So I'm fishing maybe five feet off, oh, okay. maybe ten feet. Yep. Um, not too far off of those areas. But if I'm fishing a shoreline break, um, I'll do a combination of I'll put a heavy jig or uh, what are those clamp things that you use for tip downs, tip ups. Oh, I don't remember what they're called. The, uh, those little light bulb weights. Yeah, the depth finder. Depth finder weights. Yeah, I'll clip one of those on there. Yep. Um, dig a couple holes straight out from the shore, and look to see if there's a break. See if I can drop my line down there and see if I can find a break um, along that. Now, one trick I've used a long time ago on those depth finder <clears> weights <throat> would be figuring out bottom composition with the weight itself. Yep. Right. If you have decent decent line, you know something that you can you can jockey around a little bit. And kind of tap along the bottom. Yep. You can feel, is it muck? Is it sand? Is, is it, it rock? silt? Is well, it a lot, rock? Well, if it's muck, that muck will come up if you bring it yep. up slow enough, too. Yep. A lot of times. So the 50 cent, you know, old, well, not even 50 cents. A lot just, of times they're free. You can pick them up wherever. Yep. Uh, Minnesota free. Ice Show. Exactly. <laughs> Give yep. them away like candy up. Yep. Or, or use your open water, um, you know, lead weights. Yeah. You can use those. Just or, a split shot. Yep. Split shot. Any, heavy anything split like shot. that. But, yeah. So... After I do that, running the shoreline, um, you're looking for deeper water. Yep. Once you find that deeper water, and deeper water is relative. Uh, that's one thing you you find a lot. A lot of people talk about look for deep water, go to deep water. Well, what's that mean in every lake? Yep, it's uh, something different. It's every either time. if you're in a yep. bowl, you know that deep water might be ten feet. If you're out on a lake like Big Creek, um, which is a little bit more of a dynamic lake, that following the shoreline structure doesn't always work that well, especially if you're chasing after like basin crappies or something like that yep this rolling structure doesn't work all that great but sometimes it can if the basin butts right up next to shore yep but that's not really something you can obviously see from shore but yep so so you're talking um you're talking a little bit of structure too and and figuring out if you don't have a flasher um to try and and determine structure on a lake how else would you find structure on a lake yep so this is something I did quite a few years back, and I update it all the time, is the Iowa DNR does a fantastic job of making it publicly available to get GPS points of where they have dropped structure. And they have them labeled trees, uh, pallets, stake fields or stake, uh, stake beds, stake beds um, or other. They have a lot of rock piles and stuff labeled other. But getting those, finding that on their website, and downloading them now. Not everyone's all that tech savvy on how to do that stuff. Uh, for my job, I do quite a bit of GIS, GPS type work. So it was pretty straightforward and I kind of knew what was going on, um, how to do that stuff. But so if you go to the DNR website, um, I don't have that in front of me here at the moment, but um, I think if you can just Google DNR structure GPS points or something like that, yeah. you can find it. And if you take your smartphone and if you have a Gmail account and you have Google Maps, you can go onto your laptop computer i'm sure you could do it on your smartphone but i don't don't know how to do that exactly but take your laptop pull up a program called my maps which is linked to your uh, google maps that's why you need the gmail account okay and you can download what's called a kmz file off of the dnr website and that will that will upload directly into um your my maps deal or google maps or google earth is the other word i was looking for um those files will upload directly into their specifically for Google products. Um, but uh, then you take that, and it'll pull up right up on your Google Maps, and then it'll be starred. 
you can find it. You go to you, you pull up your Google Maps on your phone. Uh, you click on the little three button thing on the top left yep. corner. You scroll over to your places. You hit my maps, and it'll be Iowa DNR structure, whatever you want to name it. Cool. And that'll all pop up. GPS located. You can get within ten feet of your your phone GPS, and that'll put you right on them. I've done that exact scenario. Don Williams there came home go. with a limit of bluegills yep. uh, in about three hours, and I never, since then, I don't know that I've hardly even caught a bluegill out of Don Williams, <laughs> but I was on them that day. Let's go back to doing and I was, that this year. That was the same deal. That was before I had had flasher. That was yep. when I was still hand augering them. Um, went out there, did it, and the, the DNR officer actually stopped by checking uh, tags or checking licenses. Yep. And I asked him, well, how's everybody else doing out there? He's Because he poked his head and he's like, oh, man, you're going old school out here because I just had my two <laughs> schoolies in the water. Uh, no flash or nothing. Yep. He's like, yeah, it doesn't sound like anybody's really catching anything out there other other than you. Wow. And I had a bucket of, I don't know, 15 bluegills that were eight and a half inches. Sometimes the old old way is the better way. Yeah. Well, I don't know it's a better way. It's just a different way that, Using you know, there was no one else around me. I was out there. There was a whole village uh, fishing off the roadbed straight off that main boat ramp from the bait shop. But yep. I pieced out a little closer to the dam and used – I mean, that was an exact scenario where several things came together. So this is another deal that you can use to find spots is when several um, attributes that you're looking for intersect. So I'm looking for shoreline structure where it drops deep. And then also, if I have a DNR point in that spot, that's going to be a key spot that I want to target. Okay. Um, yeah. Those are those are my ways of finding spots. All right. So now that we've found out where we're going to fish, Brett, what is our next step for fishing without a flasher? Yeah. So... Once I'm setting up, I've got everything. I've dug my holes. I'm ready to start seeing if there's fish down there. Um, my next thing is fish with some confidence baits. So jigs, spoons that you've ran in the past. Rattling flyer. Rattling flyer. <laughs> We've obviously. talked about that before. Um, and sometimes that is that is some value of those rattles will bring them in a little bit. Um, but obviously if you're a beginner, maybe you don't have the, the experience or the confidence in some of those baits. You just come out with some jigs and you know, a Swedish pimple or something like that. Um, but yep. the key will, after that is to fish with as many rods as you can have in the water. So in Iowa, you can have two, unless you buy the third license and you can have three. But have, like we'd mentioned in the last episode, have two jigs or have two baits in the water, one dead stick that what I do is I just run those couple cranks off bottom, six to a foot off bottom. Yep. And if nothing's hitting them after a while, um, Maybe bring it up a little bit, put it back down a little bit. Um, just move it. Keep moving until you figure out what's going on. And then my other bait that I'm running is I'm active. I'm hole hopping. If I've dug a couple of holes, if I've if it's cold and I've only dug one or two holes, I'm jigging up vertically in the water column. Yep. Um, running, yeah, starting at the bottom, working my way to the top. Yep. Give it a couple 30 seconds to a minute. I was going to say, how long do you, do you stay on each hole? Are you... Uh, a five minute, ten minute kind of guy, or a little bit less. Yeah, if if I've just got to the spot and I haven't caught any fish yet, okay. I'll give a whole two, three minutes. Oh wow! If I've That's been a lot. if I've been to that spot for a while, um, or if I have some pre past history with that location, maybe I'll give it some longer. Okay. If I've so caught unknown, a fish, unknown spots, you're only there two minutes and you're two or three minutes and then moving well i'm at least going to a different hole yep i'm not saying i'm going to go all the way to the other side of the lake and i'm going to abandon this whole spot but i'm at least going to start thinking about all right where else do i need to drill some holes around here staying active yep okay so then after that what i'm doing is if i've caught a fish so i've say i've got one in there 
I'm working that hole, but I haven't caught anything again for a few minutes. Then it's time to move again. So if I've caught a drop down, catch a bluegill instantly right away, I'll give her maybe five minutes after that, maybe 10 in that same location. So what's real key and what's difficult in ice fishing sometimes, unless you have a pin or are able to somehow tab your line, is to get back to that same exact location that you were at where you just caught that fish. Yes. So to make sure you get sunk down where you need to be. Because um, a lot of times, if you're off a foot, six inches, yep. that fish will never see you. Well, and it's so easy to get lost in the in the moving up and down. Yep. And, hey, how many cranks am I off the bottom? Um, yep. You know, I the school, schoolie has something for that. Yeah, the they little, got a little peg in the, the, peg you can use, in the reel. Yeah. There's, but... Those things are kind of janky. Know. I've broken line almost as often as I've ever actually had success yeah. using those. But especially, yeah, you really get lost as if you catch a crappie midway through the water column. Then you're like, shit, where was my bait just at when I need to drop it back down there? Because that's the spot you want to be. Yep. Um, so one thing you can do is hand line them up. Um, that yep. way you make sure you go right back where you were at. It's not as much fun as reeling them in, but yep. um, it might help. It might be the difference between catching one fish and catching five more fish. What about counting cranks? Do you or you do can that count very cranks. often? Yeah, that... especially with the schoolies, it's easier to count cranks. I think um, your yep. your spinning reels. I don't think it's quite as easy to count cranks. I don't know just how because things that are going be. so fast. I guess we should test that out this year. Yeah, we can give it a shot. But yep, counting cranks. All yep. Right. So after I've been to a spot and said drilled five holes and I've caught one decoy crappie that kept me there longer than I should the have been. The decoy crappie. Yeah. Tell me more about that, that. sucker. What, yeah, there's always mean? a decoy fish out there that you get to a spot and you, it's the first one you drop <laughs> down on, boom, catch one. Catch a bass, catch a bluegill, something. Okay. And then you just don't catch anything after that. So that's a fish that keeps you there for way too long. Keeps you there way longer than what you should have been. It gets you excited, though, about it. Decoy crappie. And it doesn't even matter what kind of species it is. I always call it the decoy crappie. <laughs> that's No hilarious. matter what. It doesn't matter what species. <laughs> that's awesome. See, th- those are the fish, though, that get you hooked on, all right, there's a bite here. Yep. I need to figure out and break it down and, and keep that bite going. And maybe you keep it going. Maybe you never get another fish again. Yep. And what Brett's saying is more often than not, it's just a total decoy. Sometimes you run into the decoy. <laughs> you're, you're and just, it's, you, you don't know. Yep. You catch that one. You don't know that it was a decoy. It's worth catching. But you, that's it, still fun. Yeah. It, it sinks you in there and yep. you're stuck. Yep. So after that, then I'm moving. I'm off to the next spot if I haven't caught anything. If I have caught okay. them, which often that happens, stay there. Make that milk run. Keep people off you. Don't be hollering about catching bluegills. And if you're hand augering and you're moving around, you're going to stay warm yep. between the two. Born holes in the ice of the hand auger will keep you warm yep. as well as One thing around. I've learned is to take your layers off while you're augering. Yep. Um, sweating out there, especially if you're new because you yep. likely don't have a hut. You might just be sitting out there on a bucket. Take your take your clothes off while you're augering. Yep. Even if it's a little chilly because you're going to get sweaty. And yep. then you're going to get real cold while you're sitting there ice fishing. Absolutely. So I, I know uh, in the era that we're fishing in right now, Brett, it's pretty exciting having. We have Facebook, you know, all the great uh, ice fishing groups and, and ways to connect with other ice fishermen. Uh, you got this podcast right here, the Short Rod Show. Yep. Hopefully that's a good way um, to interact and, and get people excited about ice fishing. But what are some other resources, say you don't have a flash or you're just getting started out in ice fishing, what are some other resources you can lean on to to learn about ice fishing and and learn to be good at it? The first thing I would do is I would go to the local come and go gas station and I'd buy a six pack of Miller Lite and I'd just go to the lake and ask people. There you go. I just go chat with the guys. Yep. Because I mean, a lot of times you see people. Yeah, you get a few grumpies, but 
there's going to be people in all sorts and, of life. And, yeah, we, we go up and do that. To take a couple, yeah, take a couple yeah. beers. Be like, hey, I'm thinking about wanting to get into ice. Which people are real friendly. Hell, I would be ecstatic if somebody came up to me, handed me a Miller Lite, and said, "Hey, tell me about what you're doing here. Yes. How are you fishing it? What you got going on?" I would immediately go get them a rod, dig them a hole, and be like, "Hey, this is exactly <laughs> what I'm doing." I'd be pumped. You're so nice. Um, do you do you remember the guy that came to our uh, to our shelter and thought we were totally the wrong dudes? Yep. He thought for sure we were his other buddies. Yep. I don't know how. Even when he looked in there, even after after he he'd opened us. the door and saw us, he thought we were his buddies. But this dude comes in, it's like, "Hey guys, how you doing?" Yeah. Oh, pretty good. You know, we just thought he was there to to just see how we were doing. Yep. No, he totally thought he was going down, figuring out. Because he, he was out. wanting to get in. He was figuring out, oh, there's, I didn't realize there's three of you in there. How am I going to fit in here? He thought yeah. he was going to try to fit into our like, hut. I mean, yeah, if we had room, he could fish with us. Like, <laughs> he seemed like a cool dude. But, yeah, ice fishermen are, are pretty friendly. Um, you know, really, I, I haven't run into a lot of people. If you're out there on a spot, I mean, obviously, they're not going to be able to keep their spot secret. Yep. You know, that's kind of the main thing fishermen are about. You know, hey, I have my secret spots on whatever lakes. Uh, if you're already out there with them, geez, you found them. Yep. You know, you got me. Here's my, here's my, my hole, yep. you know, um, up on Clear Lake when we did a little sight fishing adventure. Yeah, that was a blast. Board, uh, board some sight fishing holes and that was, you know, just the dog pile of people coming on. Yeah, there. it was amazing after, so we, we dug this sight fishing hole, uh, just because I don't know how to fish in three feet of water, man. It, it, it just, wasn't three it annoys feet, me. it was like two feet. It annoys me because <laughs> you can't see nothing on the flash. You just... You're only just a little bit down in the water yep. column. And so we, we cut out this hole and we sit through our shack over there so we could see the bottom and see what's going on. Um, and then we went, we left for lunch. Yep. And the foot traffic and the snowmobile tracks that we saw that came and checked out our hole was amazing. It was the number of people that were like, oh, what's going on over here? Well, it was our mistake. We did the right thing, marked put that it stick in there. with a branch yep. so no one would, you know. Well, then some asshole took the run. stick out, took <laughs> yeah. the branch out of there. Yep. <laughs> and we put when we came back, we put it back in there. I was like, "Geez, that's dangerous as hell. Somebody's gonna fall in that." But yeah, especially out there. I mean, people are getting they're getting close. You know, they're coming up, chatting yep. with you. Um, you know, try and make it oh, a point of talking. Before with people. we go get away, do you remember when we went back to ice fish there for the Iowa State tournament? Yep. That branch was still in the water. Oh yeah, yeah. It was. It was, it was still up. in the ice. Yep. Holding up in what a foot of ice, more than a yeah, foot. Yeah, that's gonna be structure. We can We're come back the to truck next year. Around on it. Structure no that we can come back to next year. Yep. <laughs> That's hilarious. So say, Brett, you took we took your advice. You went out and uh, handed out a few Miller Lights to uh, the crowd out on the lake. Who else would you talk to about yep. ice fishing? Um, the first thing I'd go to is the bait shop. They know everything. They're out there to promote their, um, their business, and they're out there to promote the sport of fishing. So stop by there. There's people that come in all the time, tell them about, what they're catching, where they're catching them, yep. how they're catching them. They uh, want you to catch fish. Yep. Those guys are a wealth of knowledge. And, yeah, it's in their best interest for you to have a positive experience on the water. Yep. So they're going to do everything they possibly can. And I know there's a lot of bait shops out there, and I know the local one here or at Johnston Bait and Tackle, yep. they'll rent you a flasher also if that's something that you're interested cool. in. I'm not exactly sure what they charge for it. but Oh, that's great because, I mean, if, if you're out there – Say uh, you're you're growing your family, you have a real minimal budget, um, you're looking for something fun to do on a weekend, and you're not sure yep. if you're going to like ice fishing yeah. or want to continue doing it, going out and spending, what, probably 20 40 bucks. Yeah, it can't to, be that much to rent one. To rent a flasher uh, for the weekend, that's that's a game changer there. Yep. 
Yeah, and like you'd mentioned before, Ben, that you know, when I'm first starting out, I'm not sure if I'm going to like ice fishing. Yes. Yep. So I don't want to have this huge major investment and in being able to kind of rent on a few things and yep. That really helps out a lot. And and for me just getting getting started ice fishing, I knew I wanted to ice fish, but not having a flasher um it it definitely wasn't as fun. So I mean, we're, we're, this whole episode is talking about fishing without a flasher. It's not the same as fishing with a flasher. Yep. Um it's not for everyone. Um, you know, but that flasher might be, if you, if you have access to borrow buddies or rent one, um, that might be the, the, the kick in the pants that you need to get out there and actually really enjoy being out and, and, and get to have ice fishing as a hobby as much as we do, you know, get to really enjoy it. So, um, that's important too. Yeah. So say I'm hooked on it, I'm ready to go out and buy a flasher, but I've only got 200 bucks and my wife's on my ass about that part even. So we're Ben, where do you think? Where should I go to look, find something cheap? Yep. And is a cheap option a good option? Sure. Well, um, there, there's good and bad points with this, Brett. Um, the good points are flashers are very reliable piece of, of equipment. Um, you know, there, there's a few kind of duds out there talking, uh, you know, digital, uh, types and the RT9 from Markham doesn't have that great of a reputation, but, um, as far oh, that as that 2.0 is going to be good, the 2.0 is going to save, save them. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, but really, it's talking as far as, as mechanical flashers, um, we're talking the Vexilar FL8. Um, that one, rock solid, super reliable, um, and they hold yep. their value very well. Okay? Yeah. That, that's good and bad. Almost to a point where it pisses you off, because some of these are like yep. 15 years old, and they still want 100 bucks for them. More, yeah, you can't find one for 100 bucks. No. There's no I, way. Every once in a while, you'll come across <laughs> one for 125 and you better message that person on Facebook yep. or Craigslist within 15 minutes of them posting that or someone's already bought yeah, it. Yeah, they're they're buying a new one and they're not wanting that one as a backup. I mean, people use them as backups all the time. Yep. There there really isn't a reason to get rid of one unless you need the money necessarily. Yeah. So people hold on to them for a long time. They're very reliable. Uh, they hold up really well over time and they hold their value over time. So that's it's it's good and bad. Okay, yep. if you buy one, you know it's going to be worth about what you paid for it in ten years. Yep, roughly. You know, maybe a little less. But so, where are you going to find some of these budget flashers? Um, really, just go to your typical places. We're we're talking Craigslist, uh, Facebook Marketplace is good. Um, I like going on eBay as well, especially in the off season. Um, eBay is like, I mean, it's a worldwide marketplace. So we're we're looking at stuff. Um, it, it might be up in Minnesota, it might be, you know, out somewhere where you wouldn't even think about it. So people out in Washington, Oregon with ice flashers or Idaho or anywhere. Maybe they're willing to ship it to you. Yeah. And they'll ship it, you know, 10 bucks or or whatever. So, uh, that was, that was my experience. I bought a uh, VX one pro a VX. Yeah. I think it's just a VX one. And that's a, that's a mark. Yep. So that's, that's their, their budget version flasher. Um, bought it in August a couple years ago, off season, just poking around on eBay. Yeah, and it was so back up, bucks. back up on the August. So out of season, out of, buy out of season. I mean, yeah. that's the, that's the time to buy the find the best deals. I mean, I bought my gas auger before electric augers were all the rage for a hundred bucks on the hottest day of the year in July. Yep, yep. Thinking ahead, yep. you know, not not having a uh, auger emergency and and having to buy whatever's on the marketplace in the middle of December because everyone's out fishing and yep and and you just want to get out there too. Yep, yep. <laughs> buying at the height of the market so um 
yeah, the, that's really good, a good place to go. Um, you know, and just, just put some feelers out, talk with your buddies about it too. Um, some of the ice fishing groups on Facebook are, are pretty in tune with that. Maybe someone has an extra backup that, yep. you know, they're even willing to lend you like, um, we talked about just to see if you like it. Um, and, and that's a good way of test driving them too. So yeah, I will say the, the budget flasher market, um, versus not having one is, is a huge improvement on any kind of flash you're going to get. So, um, Brett and I were talking a little earlier about some other options that are not the mechanical type flashers. Yep. Um, you know, Markham has their showdown series. Uh, they're like 2.0 and they're 5.6. The 2.0 new is not quite 200 bucks. I don't think. Um, and they, they blow those out on clearance all the time. Yeah. Um, those on, do come on Rappler's website. So, um, that's a good option, you know, real, real basic option, but, um, a lot of people, that aren't used to using a flasher like that option just because you have the vertical display. Yeah, there's so not so much. Top is the top of the yep. water, you know, right underneath the ice. Bottom is the bottom of the of, yep. of the lake. So and it's easy to picture, and there's not as much going on. Yep. Or with flashes, you can get different colors, and yep. what do all those colors mean? And yep. you get kind of confused. So, you know, the $200 range is probably, it may buy you a new one, you know, check out icefishingdeals.com. That's going to show deals, you. Yeah, there's going to be something on that thing. There's some stellar oh, yeah, deals. Yeah, definitely. That or Black Friday's coming up. Yep. Yeah. Although, sometimes I'm a little disappointed in the deals that they give on Black Friday's. But. Yep. Yep. Uh, Black Friday is a good good way to do it. Basically, just your typical bargain, bargain hunting uh, tactic. So, that ice fishing deals, that was a game changer for me on figuring out when yep. is a good time to buy. Because if you just check that... Every night before you go to bed, it's going to show you the deal that comes yep. up. And you might have to, you know, if you're not in a huge hurry, you might have to wait an hour. You might have to wait a month, you yep. know, but it's going to be on there. Um, you know they're going to they're gonna have sales on it. Or I know a lot of people run those Garmin uh, Striker. I think they're Striker? Yeah, the Striker 4, I think. Striker 4, they're like 100 bucks. They're open water. I mean, they don't come with a, uh ice deucer, but a guy will, I don't know, hose clamp a hose clamp the, the open water reducer to a pvc pipe yep or something and drop it down and i've got a couple buddies that run that and they they run them to like an ammo box into sure. their they mount the deal on top of an ammo box and they've got their battery in there and 100 bucks they're in in the money it's a little bit cumbersome but actually the response on that is pretty pretty decent from what i've seen yeah and like what we said before too the the incremental amount of technology that's come through yeah i mean you can get the cheapest of the cheap whatever today and be way better off than what 20 30 years ago yep uh the best technology they had there so it's it's just like anything else but it's really exciting you know time in ice fishing where all of these uh all of this equipment is so available to everyone and it's it's relatively inexpensive yep uh, for, but you don't have the to, use have to get out of it yep no, but i think that this episode proves that yep that, that was that was great um i mean a lot of people talk about flasher tactics and and just take flashers as a, as a given yep um we're harkening back to the time before we had flashers yep so maybe we'll really do cool. a challenge well maybe we'll do a no flasher challenge later this ice that season. would be cool get out on the ice and uh just see who's got the the manly man skills to get out there and, yep. and hunt down some fish without technology yep nothing well do you have anything else you'd like to add ben i think that does a pretty good job for this show um you know, I appreciate you guys listening in with us as yep. we're uh, learning how to podcast and, and trying to get a little bit better each time. Yeah, um, I think our flow is getting a lot better. I think so, too. We're having a good time doing it. Uh, hopefully you're having a good time listening in. All right. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate you listening to The Short Rod Show.